Good afternoon. We'd like to welcome each of you to this ASI seminar. We're delighted to be with you and we're glad that you've joined us. And we're talking about a very important topic, one of being able to have practical health evangelism. I think that in our world today, many people are very interested in health. And in fact, in a world where people are maybe less and less interested in spiritual things, the right arm of the gospel is a wonderful method to be able to reach out to people. And today we, I'm delighted to welcome James Hartley, a friend and longtime acquaintance. We're happy to be working together this afternoon. James, welcome. We're glad you're here. Thank you, Wayne. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. We look forward to everything that you're going to present to us. And I just want to let our viewers know that if you'd like to interact with us, feel free to use the chat box. It's there for you. If you have questions you'd like to ask, you can certainly do that. And um, if you have comments, feel free to post them there as well. And before we start, uh, we're going to just have a prayer together. If you'd like to bow your heads, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of being together this afternoon. And it might be other time zones in other parts of the world. Thank you that we can be united together in this virtual world. And yet, we are all longing for that very real world that you are creating for us, a better one, one where we can live for eternity. And during the time that we're here, Lord, we pray that you would guide us and direct us, help us to know how we can use health in evangelism to reach out to souls um, that need physical healing, but that also need spiritual healing. Thank you so much for James and for his a willingness to share with us this afternoon and I just pray that you would inspire him that you would give him just the right words to say that you would help us all to know how we can be more effective in soul winning through health evangelism we thank you and we pray these things in Jesus name amen amen it's all yours James we're glad thank you thank you Wayne appreciate that hi everyone uh so I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you from the campus of Wildwood Lifestyle Center. That's where Light Headquarters is. I'm serving right now as, as president for Light. Light is, stands for the Lay Institute for Global Health Training. And um, I'm also serving as vice president for Wildwood Lifestyle Center. This has been a home of mine for the last 20 years. Um, and I'm very passionate about the health message and its use in evangelism because I believe that's how I became, that's how I became a Seventh-day Adventist and joined the church. Originally, I was raised in uh, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, a Roman Catholic. I went through 12 years of Catholic education. To be very honest, I did not even know one Protestant. I did not have one Protestant friend and never even met a Protestant until I was 20, 21 years old in some of my travels. And uh, I met me and my friend, um, met some Seventh-day Adventists while we were volunteering on an organic farm in Italy. And I'll just kind of say this as an introduction so you kind of see a little bit about myself and, and, and why I think, um, you know, health is so important and, and is so powerful. Um, so I actually have a picture here of the house and the, the farm that we volunteered at uh, in central Italy, which is outside of um, this, this uh, house here is, is located um, not too far from Bologna, and it's kind of up from Rimini, if you know where that is, or San Marino, which is a whole country of itself, kind of city, a city on a hill. That, that house was, it was built in the 13th century, 
And uh, an Anavinus family moved from the city and bought this old house in a kind of historic area. St. Francis of Assisi's monastery is like just a, a short walk down the road. And um, another picture here from, from that, um, from, this is a picture from the house. So this is farmland, farm country. And this is an organic farm about uh, just above the pollution line. I, I believe it was around 3000 feet elevation. They had their own water source. They tried to eat most of, mostly just from the food that they grew. And I just had a life-changing experience there. Such wonderful Christian people. I was not into Christianity at the time at all. I was really into more Eastern philosophies. And I was hanging out with a lot of hippie, hippie groups and following these bands around and um, just kind of searching for, you know, truth. And, and I was blown away by this family. Um, they would read the Bible every morning with us before we would go out to work on the farm. They, they, we studied through, I remember, the Gospel of Mark. And um, just, I just had a great experience. They, 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 uh, they read from the Desire of Ages, I remember. And just talking about Christ, um, you know, while living such a good lifestyle, I, you know, I was smoking, drinking, terrible schedule. I was living a pretty horrible lifestyle before going there. But when I went there, I, I just quit everything. And I said, look, I, I just want to experiment with how you guys live. And so, you know, I'm not going to smoke, drink, drugs, nothing here. Um, I want to eat the food you eat, live how you live and just see what it's like. And so, you know, I was really happy to do that. It was a, and it really changed my life. So, you know, I, I felt like my energy levels returning like I had never before. I was feeling so energetic. Um, I had smoked pot every day for like four years. And, I, you know, I, I, and I remember the thought came to me. I was like, man, I didn't even, I, I, I think I forgot how it felt to be healthy. I don't know if I was ever healthy, but I was feeling really good on this farm. The food was fantastic. Everything was made from scratch. Um, I was outside working. I was just drinking water, lots of it, sleeping good, regular schedule, all of that. So it's like I was a kind of like I was a lifestyle guest on this um, farm property. And, um, uh, you know, that, you know, the, going there to learn country living, going there to learn a better way to eat, going there to learn um you know, how to live better and more healthy and more in what I kind of saw as more in tune with nature. It definitely was, a, a, it broke down barriers with me to, to, to Christianity. I wasn't really too impressed with Christianity from what I could see, the Catholic circles that I hung out with, what I could see on TV with televangelists and, and all of that sort of stuff. There wasn't anything in there that was, I was even open to, but, but somehow this family got through to us uh, me and my friend both ended up getting baptized. The, 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 the project there was kind of somewhat affiliated with Wildwood. And when I, when I came back to the U.S., um, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I ended up um, coming down to kind of check Wildwood out and look into it a little bit more. I was not a Seventh-day Adventist yet, though I did want to be a Christian. And when I was down here in Wildwood is when I got more Bible studies. I read the Great Controversy. I was volunteering on a farm down here, but going to the Wildwood Church. And then, um, then I was baptized. I, I surrendered my heart to God, and I decided that I would serve him the rest of my life as a missionary, that I just completely changed all my, my plans. Not that I had that many plans. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. But, you know, as far as pursuing any other career, I was in an engineering program in college, but I had I had taken a year off to kind of figure out what I really wanted to do. I wasn't that motivated about engineering.
Um, it was just kind of my path, the path I was on because I was better at math classes, I guess. But, um, you know, to, to, to have purpose and to uh, and to believe that the Bible was inspired and that 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 heaven was real and God was real. I didn't know what else to live for except that. So um, since then, that was 20 years ago, more, more than um, I've been trying to serve faithfully. Uh, I've always been willing to leave Wildwood, but, uh, you know, the Lord just still has me here. It's been a blessing to serve here. I really love this place. I've done a lot of work overseas. I've, I've traveled to 55 countries or so. Um, I was, I was director for their school at Wildwood here for about eight years from 2002 to 2000 and through 2009. And then, um, went full time about that time to, uh, to start a new project, um, that was already kind of underway, but they didn't have like a, a leader for it. So I kind of, um, responded to a call to be the, the first president for this ministry called light elder Charles Cleveland and, and others that help set the stage for this light ministry. It was kind of birthed out of the OCI office, Outpost Centers International. And, and well, I was very interested. That was my life. And, and so our, our mission has been to take health evangelism training and make it available to every Seventh-day Adventist around the world, in their country, and in their language. And so for the past um, 12 years now, I, I've been... Uh, you know, giving my life towards, towards that mission. It's been such an awesome privilege. Um, I'm so happy and I, I feel fulfilled. I feel like God is, that I'm doing what God wants me to do. And um, I, I enjoy doing it. And I met my wife here at Wildwood. I've been married for 10 years. We've got two small children, two and four, Lila and Lauren. Um, we've got, a, they've got a little YouTube channel, and so we raised them here in the country at Wildwood, and and I I do, I do less traveling now. We have we have uh, over forty staff members, close to fifty staff members with Light that serve all over the world. So we've built a network, so there's not so much travel needed from from the head office. And so that's just a little introduction to myself, some of my experiences with Light Ministry. We've been training. We've trained over thirty thousand Seventh Day Adventists around the world in different almost every culture you could think of. We have a curriculum that's translated in 15 different languages. We've, we've experimented and tried different ways of using health in outreach and evangelism. And so, um, you know, I want to share some of that with you, some of our experiences here in the United States and, and abroad. And, um, you know, the title is Practical Health Evangelism. So I want to leave you with some, with, with some clear testimonies and, and, and examples of what you can do. But I want to start with, because we've got a, a little bit of a, you know, we've got a nice hour here to work with. So I want to start with um, more of a motivational and instructional kind of introduction to the topic to kind of uh, oil the gears a little bit here, talk about the right arm of the gospel. So we're going to start with the statement here from the book Medical Ministry that says the right hand is used to open doors through which the body may find entrance. This is the part the medical missionary work is to act. It is to largely prepare the way for the reception of the truth for this time. So here we see a, a very powerful illustration and something that the health message is known for from a st statements like this. There's a few others that, that it's the right hand. So in the illustration, you have a doorway and you have a right arm that is a right hand that is opening up the door 
And so the door represents the, a person's heart, okay? And so that people's hearts are cold. They may not be open to the truth. They may not be open to Jesus. But, and, and so they've got kind of a, this hard door. And so we can be knocking on that door. But how are we going to get that door open? How are we going to get that heart open? So the health message, the medical missionary work, the actions, the loving actions, and, and the service towards people, showing the character of Christ through loving deeds, softens that heart. And so that door opens up. So the health message is, has this power to open somebody's heart. And so with that door now open, but that's not the end. The health message alone is not, not complete. It is what just says the, the, the hand is not complete without the body. It's just the, it's the, the hand is what we take action with. The hand is what opens the door. But the door opens so that what? Why do we open doors? So that the body can come in. And the body would be the truth for this time. It would be Jesus Christ. It would be the three angels message. And that's the theme this summer for the ASI convention, which I'm sorry we have to do virtually, but I'm glad we can at least do this. I want to share one statement here uh, next that, that uh, points this out, that the medical missionary work is as the right arm of the third angel's message, which must be proclaimed to a fallen world. So it's almost visually, you get this picture of these three angels in Revelation chapter 14. You also have the, four, the fourth one from Revelation 18 that is repeating and enlarging upon that message, giving the earth's final warning. But these angels are not, they're not just literal angels that are flying around the world preaching the three in his message. These angels that represent us, you know, the first angel's message is, to, is the everlasting gospel. Well, whose job is it to, to teach, to preach the everlasting gospel? It's, it's our job. God has given that work to us. Angels assist us. Angels help us in that work. But it's our job to preach the gospel. We are God's messengers, symbolized by these angels. And so visually, you can almost see these angels reaching out with that right arm, the right hand of the three angel of the of the third angel's message. And, and you might visually think, well, the, the right hand of the of, of these angels is the health message, it's medical missionary work. It's that it's that way that would open doors for the everlasting gospel to come into the heart and the full three angels message to be received that we might be ready for Jesus' return, that we might help others get ready for his return. So the health message is an integral part of the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, and of the spreading of the three angels' message. So it's exciting to be a part of it. Now I'm going to turn to, to Christ's method, because if this is how he wants us to work, he must have led the example, and that's exactly what he did. One of my favorite quotes from Ministry of Healing, page 143, says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then, notice, he bade them follow me. I'm sure most of us have read this, and hopefully that's true. It doesn't hurt to read it again. It should really be a memorized quote. Because um, it shows the example for any evangelism and outreach. This statement points us to the method that we are to use, and that's Christ's method. And it doesn't leave us wondering, well, what exactly is Christ's method? It points it out clearly. Number one, Jesus mingled with the community around him. And so that's really important for us, mingling. 
And, you know, going door to door and knocking, knocking on doors and asking for Bible studies or doing surveys in a way that's mingling a bit, that's not bad. Um, that's a good thing to do. Um, we do some of that, but, um, but usually we find a little bit better success using health as like the right arm. And I'm going to explain ways that we do that. And, and I believe that that's how Christ instructed his disciples uh, when he commissioned them to do this gospel work and commissioned us as well. But here we see Jesus finding opportunities to mingle with people. He looked for those opportunities and he would mingle with them as one who desired their good. So he was not just hanging out with them, but he was looking for ways to help them. So his eyes were open. His ears were open. His heart was always open. And he was showing, and he, he as he saw the suffering of humanity, his heart was, was just drawn out to them. And so he was an opportunity to show sympathy for them through his actions. Um, you know, he could, he could pray for them. He could, he could work for them. You know, it says he ministered to their needs. So he not only mingled, he not only found what their needs were, but now he took action towards their needs. And then when he, when he, when he met their needs and he worked for their good, he sacrificed for them. That's when he won their confidence. That's the right arm. That's that, that hand that opened up the door. Well, for Christ, it was his ministry. It was his ministry of healing that opened up the doors of people's hearts. And that's how they loved, why they loved him. And that's what, how they got confidence in him. And he waited to that moment, just the right moment, before bidding them to follow him. It was very successful. This was the, the main way that he used to win souls. We wouldn't say every soul that he won was through healing physical healing. It wasn't, but that was largely what he used. He surely mingled with people. You don't always have to be healing people. Maybe you can minister them in other ways. Sometimes maybe it's just ministering spiritually, but um, we see that in his method, the, the health message or the, uh, the medical missionary work is such a perfect way to fit into that method. And so as you read through the gospels, you see largely the way that he reached people was through a healing ministry. And so that's what we see in, uh, in another statement here from Ministry of Healing, page 19. During his ministry, Jesus devoted more time to healing the sick than to preaching. So, you know, Jesus was the best preacher that the world has ever seen, ever heard. He was the best teacher, the best orator. I mean... He could have filled his preaching schedule, and I, and, I, and I often think, you know, Judas probably would have liked that, to fill Christ's preaching schedule, because, you know, Judas was more into popularity and, and fame and so forth, but that, Jesus wasn't concerned with that. He wanted true results. And so he knew that he, rather than just talking, rather than just giving lip service and telling people God is a God of love, explaining the gospel to them, which is very powerful, he could have spent the majority of his time doing that, but he did not. He got down on people's levels, down on the level of suffering and need, and he ministered to people individually, one by one. He knew people were not saved by the masses. So he healed them. He touched them. He showed compassion for them. He wasn't standing on some pedestal somewhere. He was right down there with the people, laying hands on them, praying with them. They could see he loved them. I think Jesus understood that actions speak louder than words. So he was using his actions more than just his words. The words were in harmony with the actions. So he, 
he, you know, if we just, if we don't have it in the heart, you know, people will, will realize that. So the health message, it's not, it's not trickery. It's not a hook that we're trying to like hook up fish and bring them into the church and then, and then clean them up and, and let them go. Um, you know, if you're not sincere, people will pick up on that really quickly. And so, you know, the heart's got to be in the right place. And, and that's how it, of course, it was with Christ. So they could see he cared about them. They could see he was genuine. And so that right arm that he was using to minister to them prepared the soil, you might say, for the seed to be planted. It opened the door for the heart to be reached. And that's how Christ was successful in reaching people. And that is how he directed us to, to do a similar work. You know, um, we could turn to our Bibles and I could share a couple short passages with you while we're kind of on this theme. I didn't think to share these, but it's just kind of jumping in my mind here. Luke chapter 9. If you want to turn to Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, you see Jesus commissioning the, the 12 apostles. And then he called the 12 apostles together in verse 1 and gave them power and authority over all devils. And notice, to cure diseases. Interesting that God would give a bunch of fishermen and common laborers the, 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 the spiritual gift, you might say, or the ability to cure diseases. And then it says, and he sent them to preach the, king, preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Now, none of those, none of those apostles were physicians. But very interestingly, Luke was a physician, though Luke was not one of the 12. But Luke is here writing. So Luke is recording Christ's words. And he's th- I can just imagine him thinking about, amazing, what am I doing here? I'm a doctor. And Christ is commissioning these fishermen to go cure diseases and heal the sick. I just find that a little bit ironic. In no way was Jesus trying to set aside Luke or set aside the, the medical community and health professionals, nor was he trying to commission all disciples of his that they should go around and pretend like they are doctors. That's not the point. But he gave them this gift to minister to people, and he worked miracles through them. They did not have suddenly miraculous knowledge about about everything. They used simple things, and they prayed, and people were healed. God gave them that ability. It wasn't them healing. It was God. And so just to point out here mainly that the disciples were commissioned to heal and to preach, just like Jesus' uh, method, Christ's method was. Then if we go to the next chapter, in 10, Christ is commissioning the 70. And he's counseling them how they should go out, instructing them two by two, city to city. Not, not the statement quite yet. In Luke, Luke 10, it says, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. So as they went door to door, the first instruction given to them was minister to the needs. Look around the house. See if there are sick. See how you can help them. Minister to them. So now you're mingling. You're you're seeing their needs. You're ministering to those needs. And then bade them to accept the kingdom of God. And so that is the instruction and uh, the training that Christ gave to the 12 and to the 70. 
We may also even look at the Great Commission to all Christendom, all disciples of Jesus down until the second coming of Christ in Mark chapter 16 and verse 18. It's the last part, the last part of the Great Commission. It says, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The preaching of the gospel has always been linked with, the, with ministering to the needs of humanity. They are so perfectly connected, so firmly linked, that this has become the method that Christ has instructed his remnant church to use to prepare a people for a second coming of Christ through and, to, and also prepare them to receive the three in his message. So just elaborating a little bit more on Christ's method here, because um, he was not only trying to make healthy people, but he wanted to reach them with the gospel. So Christ's method from Ministry Healing, page 20, it says, the Savior made each work of healing an occasion for implanting divine principles in the mind and soul. This was the purpose of his work. He imparted earthly blessings that he might incline the hearts of men to receive the gospel of his grace. So what was the purpose of his work? The purpose of his work was not to try to get humanity to live seven years longer, though that is a very good fruit and that is a very good blessing. But he, wanted, the, the, he had a bigger objective in mind, not just seven years more, but eternity more. He wanted people to accept the gospel that would give them eternal life. He wanted them to receive it in his heart and have a relationship with him. And so that was the purpose. That's where he was going. It's not that it was um, in any way uh, 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 an, uh, a, a tool like this hook I was talking about. It, it's His heart was compassionate for people. And if his spirit is in us, our hearts will desire to help people. It'll be natural to just want to do other people good, but yet we want them even a better good. We want them more to have physical health. We want them to have spiritual health. And so that is the purpose of the right arm. Next statement from medical ministry says, Med medical missionary work brings to humanity the gospel of release from suffering. It is the pioneer work of the gospel. Notice it is the gospel practiced, the compassion of Christ revealed. Of this work, there is great need and the world is open for it. Why is the world open for it? Because there's so much suffering in the world. There is so much need in the world. There's such a lack of true love in the world. Often we do these community health expos and in a part of the health expo, we do these little, little chair massage, little back rub while they finish up their program. You know, I've seen many times where people are in tears, just getting a little back rub after they had some real kind attention at these health expos. And, and, and we come and ask them, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? You everything okay? And how have you liked the program? And many times I've heard them say, no one has touched me in several many years. You know, there are a lot of people that live alone, but don't have a lot of family close to them. And just the fact they've come out People have treated them well, treated them with love and laid a hand on their shoulder, gave them a little, you know, little love, a little back rub. It softens their heart. I mean, it's just amazing how powerful touch can be and how powerful, simple ministry can be. 
medical missionary work is the gospel in an illustration. It is the gospel in action. It is the gospel practice. Why is it the gospel in that sense? Because the gospel is to restore humanity. And when we are healing the body, we are restoring physically. It's just that the gospel, the gospel is more encompassing than that. It's physical and spiritual healing. But it's also the pioneer. So it's like the, the first work of the gospel. It's, the, it's that right, it's that entering wedge. It kind of can pry open that door and, and show that it, by illustration who God really is, to clear the confusion of his character, to show really the compassion and love that, that God is and how every Christian should be, to give a true exa good example of, of, a, of a follower of Christ. The world is open to this sort of thing. And it will breach through any religion and any other barriers that might be up, race, culture, age. And so what a powerful, powerful tool. And so in this way, it is actually never to be separated from the preaching of the gospel. It's to always be connected to it. There's one important statement I want to share with you on that is from Councils on Health. It says, medical missionary work is in no case to be divorced from the gospel ministry. Okay, well, divorce, that's a strong, that's a strong term. Um, you know, divorce sounds like just complete separation. All right, but how, how, tight, how tight does it need to be? Let's, let's continue it. It says, the Lord has specified that the two shall be as closely connected as the arm is with the body. Without this union, neither part of the work is, com is complete. So I don't know how you all are feeling this afternoon and how your arms are feeling. I like to keep my arm very closely attached to my body here. This joint is very important. In fact, if, if my arm is not connected to my body, if my arm is laying over there on the table, it's not going to do me much good. How closely connected should medical missionary work be to the gospel? It is to be so connected that the symbolism is it's as connected as your arm is with your body. So those muscles, those sinews, those bones, those joints, those blood vessels, those nerves that are, that are making the arm a part of the body. That's how closely connected they, they are. So there it's like, interesting. There's like different parts of the gospel body. And, and so the arms are what we take action with. And so that's the, that's the gospel in action. That's the, that's the medical missionary work. So no, no divorce. Now, it's very important, this last sentence here. It says, neither part of the work is complete without the other. And so that means two things then. That means if we have health work, if we have a clinic or we have a hospital or whatever kind of health work it might be, maybe it's even a, you know, one of our health evangelism outreaches. If there is no gospel there, it's not complete. Okay. If there's no spiritual aspect to the clinic, to the hospital, to the, out, to the, to the health outreach, it is not a complete work. But at, and, and that's, that, that might be fairly easy to understand, but it's also true then that a preaching of the gospel without any health or restoration of body message or activity being a part of it is also incomplete. The two have to be together. Neither one is complete without the other. They're beautifully intertwined together as much as the body is intertwined 
with the spirit. We don't, we don't believe that our spirit is something that can float around in space and that, you know, that's a Catholic doctrine. As Seventh-day Adventists, we believe what the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the earth, out of a clay. He formed him and he breathed into him the spirit. And he became a living soul. So we believe without the body, we don't have a living soul. Okay. And so without the body, there is no conscious spirit. And so, you know, the restoration of man. And when you think of the health message, there is this connection and it's not like you can, you know, the direction I'm going is not, you know, you can eat your way to heaven. That's not, that's not the case, but the physical bodies that God has given to us, the nervous system, the circulatory system, everything is, is so connected actually to our spiritual health because we worship God through the means of our physical creation. Now, if we lose an arm in, a, in an accident, we can still worship God, praise the Lord. You may lose a leg, we can still worship the Lord. You might have to have a surgery and lose a kidney. Can you still worship God? Yeah, you can, you can, you can worship God. But try to lose your brain. Of course, you, you would not. Uh, if your brain is, is shut down even and you're, they're able to somehow keep you alive, you will cease to be able to worship God because we need our brains to, for communication. We, we could have, you know, a lot of handicaps. We could be quadriplegic. We, we could be laying in a bed. We could be almost near unconscious. But our mind, if our mind is still active and can still think, we can still talk with God. So because the mind is so connected with our spiritual communication with God through prayer, study, and meditation, we need to preserve the body in its most, in its best condition, because the, the health of the body will in turn impact the health of the soul. And it's interesting how the health of the soul, we also notice affects the health of the body. We get a lot of lifestyle guests here at, at the at Wildwood Lifestyle Center. And we see the, that really the, the, the emotional health often is what's impacting the most the physical health. And so there's this deep connection. And so these are just, this is just I'm just giving you a, a little overview of why I think it's just, it's just so important and why we've been given counsel so strong about it. Because there is such a, such a connection. It is the entering wedge of the gospel. Um, and it's one that God has given to us. I know there's other ways, you know, that we might connect with people and reach. And that's good. That's great. But at some point here, you know, health, it seems, has always been, should, is planned to be a part of, of the gospel message. The good news that God has for us. And so... Now I just want to spend now direct this a little bit more to practical, uh, practical health evangelism, and you know one thing that's really important to consider is the prejudice that is up against us as Christians, as Seventh Day Adventists, in preaching the Torino's message, and that prejudice is not going to go away. In fact, that prejudice is going to increase. And so there's an important reference here from the Book of Evangelism that counsels us in this regard from page 523. And it says, I, um, I think it's just the one above that, uh, Wayne. 
Yeah. I wish to tell you that soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines, but medical missionary work. Just a simple, short sentence, but very, very important for us. Think about that. Soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines, but there will always be work from medical missionary work. There will always be suffering. In fact, suffering is going to increase. Pestilences will increase. This is probably just the beginning of sorrows that we're seeing this year with, with, with the spread of COVID-19. Um, who knows what more will come? Exactly, but, but, but we know it's, it's going to be worse. These are, these are like lab, labor pains. If you've ever seen or been through labor or you've seen someone go through labor, they get worse. They don't get better. Usually they might give a little rest, but those labor pains intensify. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. So there will always be suffering. There will always be sickness until Jesus comes. And therefore, there will always be an opportunity to minister to somebody. There may be a whole lot of prejudice to Christians. There may be a whole lot of prejudice to Seventh-day Adventists. But we can reach them. We can make a friend, friends with them through ministry of healing. And so that's really power. It's the overcoming of prejudice. Next statement, as a means of overcoming prejudice and gaining access to minds, medical missionary work must be done. Not in one or two places only, but in many places where the truth has not yet been proclaimed. We are to work as gospel medical missionaries to heal the sin-sick souls by giving them the message of salvation. This work will break down prejudice as nothing else can. So, you know, I wonder why, I wonder, she, she might have said not in one or two places only. She may have been, I have to actually look at the exact year that that was written. She, she may have been referring to the Battle Creek Sanitarium and that there was like a real big work done there. But God had given her a vision where that wasn't supposed to be just one big, big work. We weren't supposed to have just a few large medical institutions. The vision was that they would have, we would have hundreds, thousands of, of health centers around the world, outside of every major city where medical missionary work could be kind of centered. You know, not that we need that sort of facility. Um, and, and, I, and I don't think that's only what she's talking about here, but just in, in that consideration, um, I know that it was supposed to be broad, okay? Now, the issue of prejudice, breaking down prejudice, this statement is strong and we should take consideration to it because it says there's nothing, okay? There is nothing that can break down prejudice better than medical missionary work. Well, <clears throat> I just wanna elaborate a little bit on that statement because with such a powerful tool, I am not surprised that the devil has worked very hard to attack it. And he has been successful in certain areas. And I would say one of the areas that he has found some success amongst Adventists is the area of fanaticism. And because he knows if he can spread fanaticism, he can cause this powerful tool to actually turn on itself. Because such a powerful tool, a tool that has such a power for good, we have to be careful with it and handle it with respect because that tool can also get turned on us to where it's actually used against us. 
and where it actually builds prejudice. Because if you, if you try to do, you know, teach the health message, health education, do medical missionary work, if it is not with the love of Jesus, if it is not with balance, if it is with fanaticism, it's going to build up prejudice. I think we've all seen that. We've, we've all seen, well, hopefully, hopefully we haven't, but I don't know. Have you ever seen that person in the church that's able to cause up some trouble? Um, just doesn't come with the right attitude, the right spirit, kind of rebuking everybody about what's all going on, maybe with the potluck or what they're eating or whatnot. And then maybe they bring food and it's nothing tastes so good. And, you know, if you're going to bring someone to your house that's not a Christian or Seventh-day Adventist or as a witness, and you're going to feed them, they, and if they're not vegetarian already, you know, you got to be have some skill, put some effort into that to make sure you're putting down some good food. Now, some of us may have, you know, more simplified tastes and so forth, but we gotta we gotta meet people where they're at. And you know, we bring them over to our house, and it's you know not tasty, or um, you know it could be it could be too. You know, I think simple food is good. Simple food can be tasty, but you know you can also make simple food not taste tasty. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. You know, it could have lack some seasoning. You know, it could it could just lack uh, some some good taste. And so, um, you know, and, and, and even on other efforts, you know, we might have good intentions, but we could be trying to make some kind of veggie meats or something and the food tastes rubbery or tastes like cardboard. You know, you, we, we got to practice, you know, it takes some, some time and some skill to get things right. You know, don't, we shouldn't be cooking for somebody if we don't know how to cook. Just take some time, practice, practice on our families, practice on our, on our husbands, our wives, our children. Let's get it right. Amen. I'm appreciative of that. I'm very thankful that my wife is a very good cook. You know, some of those recipes, it took a little practice. We didn't get them all right straight off the bat, but we've refined some recipes. You know, we've got a little cookbook that we have in our house. And so, you know, when we're going to invite someone, you know, my wife and I think, well, what should we, what should we make? And we think about, well, we, should we do the, you know, this one or that one and try to find one that's going to meet them just right. We're very careful about that kind of food because, look, you're going to bring somebody over to your house. Like, I remember one time I invited, I go to this barber shop and these two ladies are there that, that cut my hair. And, um, you know, I mean, my wife could cut my hair. Well, I think, you know, I'm a little bit shy for that. I, I, I don't I don't want just anybody cut my hair, I'll admit. But I'll be willing to, to do that. But some, one of the, because I know, again, you know, you gain the skill, you start getting it right. But, you know, this is just an example of having a, a missionary mindset. You know, I think, well, if I don't get my haircut get there, then I lose contact with these, with these two women there. So, you know, I keep going there. I've built a friendship over the years. So I just invite them over to my house and they come over. We've had them, we've cooked meals for them, showing them around Wildwood, they're blown away. They didn't even know, even though they lived nearby, they didn't know we were here. They didn't know how much we had in this campus. And they love that food. One of them was a vegetarian, so that was easy for her. The other one was not. This is the first time she really had anything like that. She was impressed, you know, she liked it. So, you know, let's just say, I'm just, I'm just trying to be practical here. You know, you invite someone over to your house and that food is, now it may be good for you, but what if that food's no good for them? You know, they could think, whew, 
I like those people, but you know, I don't think I could become a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't know if I could eat that food. Now, I know it's true that a lot of Seventh-day Adventists aren't vegetarian, and I know, you know, that's not a requirement or anything, but if you're a vegetarian and you're witnessing to them, they may think that you kind of have to or whatever. And you, and you can tell them you don't have to, but, but it could build a prejudice to them. They could think, Hmm, I just don't think I could do that. I mean, boy, that food. <laughs> so if that food is no good, you're building prejudice. You're actually building a wall. If you don't treat them lovingly, you are building a wall. If you are rebuking them unnecessarily and out of place, you're building walls of prejudice. The health message is a powerful tool, but it has to be used the right way. With the love of Christ, God help us, okay? So let's practice it, you know? Let's, let's learn to do better with this tool. It's an important one. I hope you understand what I'm saying. If you have any questions, um, you know, you can comment here. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm seeing some comments there. That's true. Shaniel uh, said a, re- a message there. There is a lot of tasty food out there. There is a lot of good tasting desserts and food. We just got to, you know, take some effort to find them. And just finding them is one thing. You got you should practice, you know, try it once before you bring someone over. Make sure you got it right. Okay. Amen. All right. So we're going to move on here now to a last statement I want to share. That was This was just kind of concluding the, the introduction part of this lecture. We've come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. So I think this hopefully helps us understand what I've been explaining of it as, is that um, medical missionary work is not just for the medical community, though of course the medical community should be leaders in medical missionary work in the church. But we've come to a time maybe because of the age we're living in, especially the suffering going on in the world, that there is no better time than now to do medical missionary work. And it is every member of the church that is called to take part of it. This is not just uh, just for those at Wildwood or those at Uchi Pines or those that are at Loma Linda and those that are nurses and doctors and physical therapists. No, this is a work for all of us. Well, what can we do? Well, we can just take time to study to practice our recipes, to learn more about health, nutrition, exercise, put those things in practice, put those laws of health to practice, learn how to do simple things, maybe even learn how to do simple treatments in the home, to to treat your own family with some simple water treatments, some herbs, lemon, garlic, learn about those things, just some basic things, charcoal, it's not hard. Everybody can learn those things. And we don't run around trying to pretend like we're doctors. We're not out there diagnosing disease and trying to treat disease. We're just trying to help people live better. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need to go through a four year or an eight year program to teach someone that eight hours of sleep is important for them. That exercise is important for them. That some simple things of nutrition, water, you know, some of the dangers that are out there in maybe soft drinks or smoking or drinking or meat eating or whatever, be educated on these things. Just as we're educated with the Bible, As lay people, we can give simple messages and we can help people. So we learn the health message, we put it in practice in our life, and we have a knowledge and experience that we can share with others. And even broader than that, medical missionary work is just, it is helping meeting meeting people's needs and helping them in a variety of different ways. It's not always nutritional or even disease related. 
it could be other kind of suffering that they that they're experiencing that is just showing the compassion showing showing the sincerity okay and so that is how and why every member of the church should take hold of medical mission work it's a very complicated thing when we're doing teaching these classes in in latin america portuguese and brazil and and the, and the spanish speaking countries of central south america because the word medical literally means physician doctor Medico in, in Portuguese, isn't it? Medico in, in, in Spanish it means doctor. So it's like, what, doctor, missionary, medico, missionary, um, medico, missionario. This is a, met, a doctor, missionary. So they think it's only for doctors. So, but this in no way it was the intent of the author. Ellen White is very clear uh, it, through many other statements about what she means by medical missionary work. It is more in a general sense. Okay. It is in more of a health sense, a more comprehensive uh, sense of ministry that, and the uh, laws of health and simple things. It's kind of overarching because it does include the more um, um, up, you know, medical work, Loma Linda and so forth, medical centers, hospitals, it includes that as well. So you got that on one extreme and you've got just the basic lay person <clears throat> that um, knows the, the knows new start, right? Okay, so... Um, now we're going to the next section here, and that is practical health evangelism. So what I've shared so far is just a, uh, uh, is more the motivation and, 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 and more, more, um, theory behind it. But now I want to get into more practical ways as to, uh, how we can use health in specific evangelistic, uh, efforts. We've got another, uh, 25 minutes uh, uh, to this, to this talk. So I think we'll have enough time. So there's a couple of statements I want to point to that, that give us clear instruction, how to do this sort of thing. And, uh, this, this one here, I want to start with, it says good service can be done by teaching the people how to prepare health food. This line of work is as essential as any that can be taken up. More cooking schools should be established, and some should labor from house to house, giving instruction in the art of cooking wholesome foods. And when she says art, she's putting emphasis to it because she knows it's not so easy. There's an art to it because that wholesome food needs to also taste good. She says it's one of the, in other places, she says it's one of the hardest things to cook healthy and wholesome food. Okay. There's that balance. If it gets, um, maybe uh, too healthy, right? It kind of can lose some of that tastiness. If it gets too tasty, you can it can lose some of that healthiness. So we're looking for a balance there. And that cook's got a hard job to try to make that. So there's an art to it and there's a beauty to it. And so one of the most important things we can do is teach people cooking. Many, many will be rescued from physical, mental, and moral degeneracy through the influence of health reform. These principles will commend themselves to those who are seeking for light and such will advance from this to receive the full truth of this time. So going to people's house, now that those opportunities aren't, aren't, aren't so easy to just come, come to come across. We have to be a little intentional mingling with people to get an opportunity to go into their home and teach a cooking school. But those are some of the greatest places to do it because uh, I've seen many, many times where if you do a cooking school in someone's house, they invite their neighbors. 
and now you're doing a cooking school in the community. And I mean, that is just breaking down all kinds of prejudice. So you've got a great opportunity to make friends with that group, that family. And so cook, teaching cooking, just teaching cooking, that alone right there is a huge part of health evangelism. And what if Seventh-day Adventists were the best vegetarian cooks in the world? What if we had the best videos, the best public demonstrations, and we were known for that worldwide as leaders in, in, in the vegetarian and, and um, you know, vegan cooking. I say vegan. I, I know the honey, we believe in using honey and so forth, but, you know, mostly vegan. Um, they use that term more. And, and, and we can say it's vegan as long as it doesn't have honey in it, I guess. So um, I wish that we had that kind of reputation, but we're, 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 um, we've gotten a little bit far behind. Our, our, our right arm as the church is, is, got, is a little bit weak. Um, there's some strong points and a lot of people doing best they can, but um, we've got a lot of growth to make on that. And so we need to get in the community. Now, now this next statement, talking about specifically city missions where we can do this sort of thing. As a people, we have been given the work of making known the principles of health reform. In connection with our city missions, there should be suitable rooms where those in whom an interest has been awakened can be gathered for instruction. Next, this necessary work is not to be carried on in such a meager way that an unfavorable impression will be made upon the minds of people. All that is done should bear favorably should be a favorable witness to the author of truth and should properly represent the sacredness and importance of the truths of the third angel's message. Now I want to go backwards. Let's look at the first um, slide on that statement just to review it. So making the health message uh, practical to the people in the community. You know, there's a specific uh, section I want a phrase I want here to, 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 uh, to make mention of it for a city mission. So this is, these are, this is making a, a city, a, a center of influence. It says there should be a suitable room. Notice suitable rooms should be secured where people can meet, people that have somehow have gotten an interest where we can gather them for instruction. Okay, so this is, this is now in the city where we're got, we have a room and we've started a little center and any contacts that we've made, we're bringing them in and we're having a regular meeting of classes. So all we're doing is educating the community in the principles of health. Right? So Ellen White doesn't use the, the term, but we've been using the term health clubs. Okay, So we, we kind of feel like what she's talking about here is a health, what we might call a health club. All right. I'm going to give you an example and some testimonies about this. I've got one more statement before we get into those, those pictures and testimonies. It's this. It is the positive duty of God's people to go into the regions beyond. Let forces be set at work to clear new ground, to establish new centers of influence wherever an opening can be found. Rally workers who, prevent, who, who possess true missionary zeal and let them go forth to diffuse light and knowledge far and near. Let them take the living principles of health reform into the communities that to a large degree are ignorant of these principles. Notice this, let classes be formed and instruction be given regarding the treatment of disease. So there are to be classes. We're to be giving classes into the community. Those classes, two specific areas we've been counseled that, that these classes should be teaching are in cooking 
and in disease prevention and, and disease treatment, simple disease re reversal. Okay. That could be the common cold. Okay. And, and, and maybe it's um, bringing in a physician to talk about hypertension or heart disease or diabetes and bringing in different speakers, specialists and specialists in, in different areas. Um, good cooks or just using what we have, the resources in our own church and starting classes, starting what we would call a health club. Now, I want to give you an example of some of this as time is, time is moving on, on health clubs. And I, and I would be remiss to, 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 to not share this story from Indonesia because I think it's one of the most powerful ones in, in, in the world going on right now. Um, so the club Sihat, grocery store in Indo in Jakarta, Indonesia was purchased by a, a nonprofit group started by a couple wealthy uh, Seventh-day Adventists. And the first thing they did was they, they rented the building and they opened up this grocery store. Then they, then they realized, well, you know, they want to do medical missionary work and they want to reach these people more. You know, the customers going in and out is busy. There's a line of people you're checking them out. Okay. That's kind of hard. This is an actual picture of their first store. And, um, you know, business-wise, it was successful. It was supporting itself. But in dialogue with us, because we were doing some light trainings around Jakarta, and we know these, these, uh, these women that started this, we said, well, you know what, why don't we, why don't we um, start a health club? And, and we looked into the upstairs of this building and, and we were able to rent the second level. And on the second level, the, the, the picture here where you saw people with a bunch of clay smeared all over their faces, that is the picture. That's a picture of, of, of one of the actual health club meetings. We had from 60, we started off like 20. It went up quick. It went up rapidly. 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 people sometimes uh, regularly attending these, these classes that were upstairs from the store, the store was promoting the classes, you know, the customers were there. So all week we were, would be able to promote the, the health club that would be meeting on Sunday. And they got it up to 70, 80 people every single week, every week they have these meetings. It takes a lot of work. There's, it takes a lot of initiative to do that sort of thing. Then it grew even more. This is a picture of the same group now going off into a country retreat to do like the kind of a new start lifestyle retreat program over just a weekend and so they got their own t-shirts and they kind of they, they they developed a bond with one another and that bond helped form a new church because the next thing that they did was rent the third level of that of that building and open up a new seventh day Adventist church which is extremely exciting i mean you could see the step work you could see the right arm of the gospel in action because you saw step one at the store, we meet the people. Step two at the health club, we get to know the people on a more deep and intimate way. We get to know them um, much more personally. They start gaining confidence in us. And step three, we invite them to church and, and, and then into church fellowship and membership. And, and from that, a, a church was established and that program was so successful that they, got, they rented it, uh, another storefront. So they opened up another store. They went right away and got that second floor right away, started the health club. And it wasn't long, a second church was, was born. Then a third location was established. Then a fourth location was established. In one city, four club Seahats and four with four health clubs and four new Seventh-day Adventist churches. Just, just, just uh, 
just just encouraging and fantastic to see that kind of that kind of example in the world now now this thing has even grown more they have that that that, that that's a picture from uh one of their their new start retreats that they did on the on the weekends and now they're they've built a lifestyle center just outside of jakarta that's kind of working in, in harmony and in cooperation with the stores and now more than that they have over 15 of these stores located throughout Indonesia on different islands, different parts of the country. And any Seventh-day Adventist family, it's kind of, they franchised it. You can, they have one major distribution center. Everybody's able to buy food from the, from that one location. And it gets sent out to all these stores and, and um, they have all the marketing, the, 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 the corporate identity. It's all, it's all packaged for them. And, and so it's growing like fire. It's just been a fantastic uh, testimony. And, I, and we, we're growing on this in other, in other areas. Of course, it takes some investment and, and it takes the manpower to open up a store and get some of these things um, started. But I can tell you that the General Conference has, has visited uh, more, on more than one occasion, analyzing, trying to see how this could be replicated. But... Um, you know, uh, it's been it's been a little bit hard. It's a little bit hard for the church organization to to do these sort of things because, let's just be frank. You know, the church, the organized church uh, pastors and so forth are not really they're not trained for that. They're not they're not trained to 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 start health food stores and restaurants and and health clubs and all of that. It's got to be an effort of lay people. And and the nice thing about this kind of ministry is, is this is a perfect ASI kind of ministry because it's all, it, it's financially viable. Um, at least they've made it that way. You know, you got to have some experience, but there are people um, there within OCI that can counsel and, and help get this sort of thing started. I, I think it could be this sort of plan could be replicated just about anywhere in the world. So I want to, I want to also, well, th that's one of the more successful um, health club examples that, that, that I can share. Um, I also want to show that we, we have been working in the U S uh, this is a picture of, 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 of Karen Lynch. She, she works with light. She's our director for North America. She's got a cooking show on three ABN. Maybe you've seen her there. Um, this is her teaching in um, uh, a location. So what, what, what often we've been doing and it's been working pretty well, it's better to have a neutral area, but this is in a, a church facility and, and the church has to get out and the community invite people to come in. And at this one, there were, there were a lot of visitors there. I mean, sometimes half or more than half the people are from the community. You can see some people here with, 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 uh, that, that, that are not church members. Um, and so uh, Karen and Ron are available. If, if anyone watching this um, is, is from the U.S. and would like to have some support, uh, we'd like to see how we do, how we do our, our community uh, cooking class programs. Ron and Karen could come to your church. You can contact us at light ministry about that. Um, cooking classes work, man, they work everywhere. About every country of the world. Um, I've got, and I've got some, actually some pictures here, uh, even in Africa of uh, cooking classes. So if hey, people are eating, people eat, people eat and they like food. And so cooking classes are needed. That's why it's so, so perfect. Now, in addition to the health club and the cooking classes, uh, I want to I wanna draw attention to this little program we have here that is a door-to-door -door program called Light Up Your Life. We developed this here at Light Headquarters. It's a booklet that teaches um, seven health habits. And, you know, if you open up the booklet, you can see here that it, it shows 
uh, each week, it's a seven week program. And each week you're able to, um, I, don't, I don't know if that's clear for, for, for you all. If it's not clear, you can at least see the shapes on the bottom right. There's a little weekly calendar there. So each week we introduce a new health habit. And then during the week, the person records the progress. Okay. And then they get a score at the end and the health and the, and the, the, the missionary, you know, comes to, to the person's house once a week, maybe every Sunday and, and introduces a new law of health or a new principle of health there and um, kind of reviews the last week. And through this, we develop relationships with people. And, and by the end of it, it's peace is the last principle of health. And it bridges into the spiritual discussion. And we offer Bible studies. This program has been working very well. It has worked well in the U.S. It has worked well in the Caribbean. It has worked in, in, in Latin America. We've seen this. Um, and we have a, a, a program like this working in Africa. I've got a picture here, actually. The next picture is from, from um, Nigeria. Some of our Nigerian outreach, we, 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 we've connected with people. Often we'll connect with people through a health expo. Health expo is kind of a promotional event for getting, getting connections with people. You know, way in the beginning, when I first got to Wildwood in 2000, we were using health expos kind of as like a singular event. Well, we've definitely grown in our understanding about how the health expo should be used. And we don't see it in any way like a singular event. Um, we, you have to follow it up or there, you don't see much. We don't, you don't see any long-term results from that. And so um, here we got in touch with these women and we here are, have been studying health with them. And, and also that had then turned into Bible studies. We have a little Bible study group. And so uh, these women have been blessed by our missionaries there in Nigeria through the health message and through the spiritual message, the gospel. Now, this man, uh, my, my heart just goes out for him, Mr. Sampson. He fell into a well five years ago and hurt himself badly. He cannot walk or stand ever since then. He uses this black plastic bucket underneath his, that's his bed. Okay, with that dirt floor. That's what he uses as a bedpan. Okay. His family has been exhausted trying to take care of him. They are not, they are poor people themselves. So he has been left alone. He had gone at times four months with no bath, nobody to help him. And so our team had been visiting him on a weekly basis, giving him a bath every week. He has then been receiving studies and has recently been baptized to be a Seventh-day Adventist. God bless him. Um, so please pray for people like Mr. Samson. And I just, you know what? My heart just goes out seeing pictures like this and to hear the suffering going on in, 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 in some of the poorest countries of the world. Look, this COVID-19, of course, I know many have been sick and have died in our country here in the U.S., I know people are facing challenges, all different kinds of challenges in their life. But the suffering folks in, these, in some of these poor countries right now is tremendous. You do not see it in the news. I'll, I'll, and I'm not saying these things are not important. I know we're dealing with, with um, racial issues and, and COVID-19 and, and put, there's all kinds of politics you see all in the news. We don't see it so much, okay? But there is tremendous suffering. Look, people that are living day to day cannot afford to just not work. If they can't work, they're going to starve. 
They can't pay for their house. There is starvation happening right now. I know it because I know we've got missionaries, boots on the ground in many of these places. And it is just tremendous what's going on. Tremendous in a, in a negative sense. It's, it's just horrific. Um, we need to do what we can. And I, and I think if we were to realize how heavy the suffering is that is going on in India and various parts of Southeast Asia, Africa, and elsewhere, I think it might help us to deal with some of the issues that we face with, you know, sometimes it, I, I don't want to be, I know there is real suffering. I don't mean to make a joke, but sometimes we do have our first world problems that we think are a big deal where other people are having struggled to even find any food at all. So as we get into these times, this is getting very, very serious. The government is not sending stimulus checks to people in India. They're not paying unemployment to people in, in most countries throughout Africa. No work, no food, no money, no food, okay, period. So they're struggling, they're getting sick, um, not only with COVID-19, with many other problems. And so now more than ever, medical missionary work needs to be done. We need to meet these needs and help these people. Let's do what we can. I hope you can say amen with me on that. Um, we're going to go now. I'm just, I just want to show you this, this smiling face from Kenya. Um, this is just a, this is just a great, great story. So she, so this is a cooking school, a very, look at the location there. You see behind her, this is a dung house. Okay. That house is made of, of, of mud and, and, and clay and dung. And, and they're there doing cooking classes with charcoal inviting people from the community and doing all that they can. She made herself a little pizza there and some flatbread, some cookies. And uh, what a blessing to give support to the people in their area to make that, hey, food brings people together. And so, you know, I don't want to put too much emphasis on food, but it, I think it deserves a strong slot because food breaks down barriers. It brings people together. They socialize. It can, it's a connection. And so um, this was, a, this was uh, just taken about six months ago. Now, India, um, this is a, a, just a picture of our health, one of our health expos. We've got a great team doing amazing work throughout India. We've trained thousands of people throughout the country. Um, I also just want to make mention that um, in India, there are, we are really working on this health coaching concept. The health coaching concept um, has been very, very warmly received in India, where um, some of our other kinds of outreach have been more challenging. Um, we've been able to get certified and, and have our training meet like government certifications to where our missionaries are going out there and, and, and have a, a, a right representation. And that has broken down prejudice. In India, it's not easy to be a Christian and to preach the Christian message. There's a lot of prejudice. But with a health coaching strategy, it has been very successful. Um, here also in the U.S., I just want to just make mention of the health expos. Um, still working. It's a, it's a promotional event. That's what I see to bring people into the health clubs. So we're just getting contacts from people. Uh, the health clubs have been great. Um, excuse me, the uh, kids. Um, this is a kids health expo. Um, 
And then next we, we have a kid's health program that's been, that's been very good. This is teaching the, the eight laws of health to children. Um, that's been a blessing. You can see some of the, the graphics there of the inside of it with, with projects and, and activities where kids will learn the eight laws of health. And then I'm finishing up here and I would take a couple of questions. Um, the bridge, you know, how do we take health and bridge it into the spiritual? This is just a really great statement here. I'll just read the end of it that, that says that, you know, if we, as presenting health, they see that we have good ideas, sound ideas about health, they're going to, they're, they're going to feel like there must be something in our religious belief that's worth investigation. So that the health message kind of builds some confidence as we saw in Christ's method. And then they start looking the, the bridge into this, into the spiritual. It, it really often happens just very naturally and organically. Uh, it, it somehow comes up uh, in other ways. We, we are a little bit more proactive with it, um, but it's, it's really, you don't have to try very hard. Um, and so we have that. And then last, lastly, um, from councils and health, a, a, a statement I just kind of rediscovered recently. So I want to close with it. True missionary work is that in which the Savior's work is best represented, his methods most closely copied, his glory best promoted. I just love that statement. I'll just leave it with that. Following Christ's method, we can't go wrong. And that is the best presentation of the gospel and the best way that his glory can be revealed. So I'm just I'm just going to look here. So I, I noticed there was, was some comments, not, not that many, but um, um, from uh, Katya, is there, are there any resources accessible for starting a store like that? Well, um, e email me at, um, let, me, let me just type in my, my email address here, james at lightingtheworld.org. Okay. And I will get you in contact with the team there. Um, and, and, but if it, it, let me know if you're, if you're from the U.S. Um, or what country you are from, and I will see who I might know in the areas that might be able to give you some more um, specific help in that. We'd love to try to be able to help you. It sounds very interesting, inspiring to do so. Are there a resource we'd love to get them or if there is anywhere to get support for something like that? Okay, well, let me do my best with that. How can we do, okay, now this one is from Judy Long. How can we do cooking classes in our church during the pandemic? People, even in our church, are afraid to get together. Yeah, and that's understandable. Um, it's a challenge right now. And that's the hard thing. And, and this is, it's a little bit disheartening because the power of the health message is in the personal contact. It's not in the video contact. I mean, I'm glad that I could be here sharing this information and you could be texting me questions and comments, but you know, it, it, it does hinder a bit when we can't see each other face to face. And, um, and so there's a, there's, it hurts a little bit. Um, so, you know, if the church is not, cannot be opened, if we, if, if, if we do have COVID present in our, in our community, um, I would say, you know, we have to go virtual. I don't really know another way to do it. Um, there are ways to make the virtual meeting more interactive. And with cooking, you could do that. People could be trying to do the recipes, maybe in their own kitchen. At the time of the presentation, 
live questions, turn their audio on, let them talk. So you're kind of all together. You know, that might be an idea that you could try, try to get creative with it while we get through this. Um, so yeah, I, I understand uh, the challenge that we face here. You could try social distancing um, if the, if your church would allow that or, or, or community, you know, six feet apart um, while doing the cooking demonstrations, put a screen up so they don't have to get so close, maybe with a camera watching um, the, 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 uh, the, the, the details of what you're doing. You know, you could still probably do that sort of thing, you know, following guidelines of Santa, Santa, uh, you know, sanitary guidelines and, and face masks and whatnot. Um, Sweden. Okay. All right. We'll, uh, we're going to try to do, we're going to try to help. I think I may have some connections over there. So send me an email. We'll do what we can. I want to thank everyone for, for being a part of this. And, um, if you have any questions at all, or if I missed anything here, um, Byron Bay cafe, I don't, I don't know. Oh, who mentioned that? Oh, Australia. Um, Sorry, I missed that comment earlier. Uh, if anyone wants to, oh, good. Thank you for sharing the link for that recipe there. So if you didn't see that, um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, but Katya has posted their uh, YouTube video with that, with some recipes. Um, so, all right, I'm gonna let you all go. I, I, I know I'm, I've been out, of, I used up all the time. So email me at james at lightingtheworld.org. Contact us if you have any other questions. We'd love to get, be in touch with you um, and um, see what we can do. That's what we're here for, Light. We're here to help local churches and, and ministries and, and conferences around the world to, to use health more effectively in, in, in spreading the three in those message. And so I'm happy to have had a chance to share some of these things. If you want further training, we do have a full online school with 125 hours of training. You can find that out on our website, which is lightingtheworld.org. I'll, I'll type that in here too, just like the, the end of my email. Okay, there's our website. Appreciate it. Um, why don't we have a, we'll just close. Uh, Wayne, would you mind, would you mind having a, a closing prayer for us as we finish up here? Sure. Sure, I'd be happy to pray. Let's bow our heads and have a closing prayer. And I just want to thank you, James, so much mm. for sharing as well. It's been a blessing and very inspiring. Pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Wayne. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of being able to be together. And we just pray that you would guide us as we try to put all of these principles into practice. We pray that you would teach us how we can... Um, use the health message to witness to people. We pray that you would help us to be able to use these practical skills that we learned in order to be able to touch people's hearts and lives because we know that it makes such an impact when we have expressed love through the health message. We thank you for the counsels that you've given to us and we just pray that you would inspire more and more people to follow those so that we can uh, reap a rich harvest that is going to be ripe very soon. Uh, we want to pray for wisdom in the challenging times that we're living in to help us to know how we can do our work in the best way 
teach us um, how we can really um, make wise decisions and how we can make the best use of every opportunity that you place before us. I want to pray that you would bless James in a special way and his team all over the world that is training uh, many young people and people of all ages. We pray that you would help us to bring this health message to the world by your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. God bless everyone. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.